The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Everybody, welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. What a pleasure to have all of you with us today. Now, we do have a difference in scheduling. The person who had been announced for several months is not our guest uh, today. I did explain why that is on last week's show. If you didn't listen to last week's show, maybe you want to do that and you can hear it at the end. If not, it's um, written. Uh, you can go to MainStreetVegan.net slash blog and look for the show notes on last week's show. So that would be the show 102815. And uh, it explains why we are having a, a different show than the one that had been announced. And if you want to know more about that or if you want to argue with me about that or anything else, just be in touch with me personally. And I'm happy to speak with you. I had a couple of really wonderful calls this week. Oh, gosh, I missed the telephone. Do you miss the telephone? It seems that so few people have bodies anymore because we have friends all over the world. And then so few of those people have voices because we're only communicating online. And so it's really nice sometimes just to have a chat. So if you want to have one of those with me, just let me know and we can do that. And what I do have for you today is a wonderful, wonderful program that's really about something that we all do. We all work. If you think about it, even the Queen of England has a job. 
And so we want those jobs, we want our work in the world to reflect our values. And we have two really interesting and very, very different segments today that we're going to be talking about that. After the first break, we'll be bringing on one of the loveliest women I know. She is Liz D. Liz is a vice president at Smarties Candy. And if you have children and went trick-or-treating, you probably have Smarties Candies around your house. And if you're a vegan parent, then you probably went through the trick-or-treat bags picking out what's vegan and what isn't. I know we did that with my daughter. I have fond memories. <laughs> and you picked out the Smarties because they're vegan. Well, a, a customer let Liz know that via email sometime back, and she did a little research to see, gosh, what's vegan? And when she found out, she decided that she wanted to be one and uh, became a wonderful animal advocate and, and vegan herself. And we're going to be talking with her about life and candy and how she makes her own vegan dog food. But in this segment, I'm going to be talking with two really amazing people with a very different kind of story to set, to tell about how someone's work intersected with ethics and animals. You've probably heard about the upcoming film called The Last Pig. That's going to enter the wonderful, wonderful list of powerful documentaries that have made such a difference in, in the animal rights and animal welfare movements and also in the vegan vegetarian movement in recent years. And this, this film, The Last Pig, explores the story of somebody's profession. But in his case, instead of learning that his profession was vegan, he came to see, gosh, my profession is something I no longer want to be a part of. So Bob Comas, who will be one of our guests coming up, stopped doing pig farming. And he's now an organic, veganic, actually, veganic vegetable farmer. To introduce you a bit to Bob, he had no farming background, but became a pasture-based pig farmer. However, after 10 years, he quit raising pigs for ethical reasons and is now, as I said, growing vegetables veganically. We're going to find out what that means. And joining Bob in this first segment is the filmmaker, Allison Argo. She is a six-time Emmy winner. Her films have won over 100 awards internationally. They've been broadcast on PBS and National Geographic for over 20 years. Allison has worked on the front line fighting for the just treatment of non-human Beings. You can find out more about her work in this film at argofilms.com. Welcome, Bob and Allison. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having well, us. Well, it's wonderful to have you. You know, I think so often it's easy to get in the vegan bubble. And sometimes I find myself a little bit in the bubble and, and getting involved about the fine points of being this kind of vegan or that kind of vegan. But the fact is, the world thinks about going vegan about as often as it thinks about going Amish. The cover story this week on Time Magazine has two pieces of bacon, and it says something about the the war on good taste. <laughs> and 
it's really interesting that life goes on out there in the world and we see things differently. So, Bob, tell us first what caused you to become a pig farmer and then what caused you to unbecome one? Um, what caused me to become one was um, discovering, um, being informed about uh, factory farming and industrial slaughter. Um, I was pretty much oblivious uh, about 12 years ago when I found out about it. And I was appalled and I actually became a vegan uh, and I was a vegan for three months. Um, but 10 years ago, it was harder to be a vegan, I think, than it is today. And um, so I went back to eating meat, but I decided um, that I would start raising our own animals for slaughter. My wife and I were going to be moving to the country outside of Albany, New York. And uh, so we did that, and I and I got a couple of pigs and laying hens and, um, you know, really liked it. And so added a few more pigs, and eventually, before I knew it, I was a full-time pig farmer. And I did that from start to finish for about 10 years. And uh, then over the course of the 10 years, I had a bunch of crises of conscience where I questioned whether or not it was right, whether or not it was okay to do. And I always answered yes. Um, But then uh, one morning uh, in January 2014, I was taking care of the pigs. And I had this really intense experience um, where um, I sort of felt really connected, intensely connected to the pigs. And... uh, I had a crisis of conscience, and that time I answered no. And so I decided on the spot to give up pig farming. That's pretty powerful. And I think everything that we read about farming and and the financial exigencies and how difficult it is to be a small farmer in America today, regardless of of what someone is raising, that's not just a a little, little decision to make. No, it was it was a big decision. Um, fortunately, you know, the, the, the financial issue wasn't um, as um, pressing for me because my wife also works. So we have another another income. Um, so it wasn't as if she and I were farming together and that was our only source of income. Um, but it's still um, changing. You know, it was a successful business that I had that I had started up and um, deciding to, to give that up. And, and start a brand new business, go through the whole startup process again was, uh, you know, not a difficult decision to make, but it's turning out to be a difficult thing to do. Well, I'm sure it is. And very often people say, well, you know, I can't go vegan because it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Well, you know, doing the right thing often has some difficulties, whether it's changing your entire profession or just changing what's on the menu for dinner. But uh, when you compare it to the ethical alternative, it really is the only decision. And I'm just thrilled to death that you made it. And I hope that you start an epidemic where <laughs> lots and lots of farmers will be doing what you did. So, Allison, how did you find out about Bob and about his story and decide that you wanted to make a film about it? Well, a friend of mine sent me a link to one of Bob's pieces. Bob is an extraordinary not just an extraordinary person, but he's an amazing writer. And um, she said, I just wonder if you think this would make a good film. She's not a filmmaker. So, uh, you know, a lot of times people send you ideas and you're like, oh, dear, you roll your eyes. But I, I went to these links and I started reading some of Bob's profound writing. And I was in tears by the by the second piece that I'd written. I was just breathless. 
um, by Bob's um, his willingness to bear open, just to rip open his soul and be as imperfect as he is, and yet um, be willing to share that with with others. And I had long been concerned about the treatment of animals um, in farming, in factory farming in particular, but, you know, I've questioned for a long time about the ethics of eating animals. And when I saw this, his, these pieces that he'd written and heard about what he was embarking on, I just thought this is the film that I have been wanting to make. And I finally got up the nerve to give him a call, and he was kind enough to speak with me for about an hour. And I asked him if if I could come up and meet him, if he'd consider letting letting myself and my um, my colleague, a cameraman, tell his story. And he was uh, not terribly interested in it, but he was kind enough to let us drive four and a half hours to meet with him. And I think it was just, uh, you know, it was meant to be these three like-minded souls just got together on his back porch and talked about his transition and the fact that we really all wanted to make the most of it and bring this story to the world to inspire other people. So I am, I am so lucky to be the one who gets to tell, to share Bob's story and, and bring it to the world because I think it will inspire other people. Well, your work is beautiful. Everybody, you need to watch the trailer for The Last Pig. It's just, oh my goodness, it's it's amazing. I will put the links uh, on the show notes, but you can just um, Google The Last Pig and trailer and, and probably find it. I know you guys are doing a crowdfunder. Is that Indiegogo or is that a different platform? It is Indiegogo, and okay, so. um, it's it's been great. The really cool thing about crowdfunding is not only are you um, you're raising funds, but you're also raising awareness and and just um, raising support, really, just yes. emotional support. Yeah, and I see you're doing very well, and I'm so so happy to to hear that. Now we are going to have a, a guest next week, Hope Bohannik, who wrote a wonderful editorial about why she believes we shouldn't even use the term factory farming because the idea of killing anybody is is just not something that, that we ought to be doing. And I'm interested, Bob, that when you got into this business, you really did it so that you could do what you believe to be necessary and inevitable in a better way. But then you learn some things about pigs. Tell us what you learned. Um, I think, um, the biggest thing that I learned is that, you know, the, the way we talk about pigs, the way we talk about livestock animals, um, and even companion animals is we, we, we fall back on this idea of sentience as a measure of, of, of their, um, being in the world. And, um, the pigs taught me that sentience, the idea of sentience as, as the measure is absolutely inadequate to um, describe um, a pig's life experience. Um, They are profoundly um, beings um, in the world, and their life experience is complex, it's multi-layered, it's emotional, it's thoughtful, um, and it's it's just something that's so far from... uh, this, this simple idea of sentience that I think that people really need to understand 
that um, it's we need to move away from the idea of sentience. If we, or I guess I should say, if we don't move away from the idea of sentience as the measure, then we're never really going to get anywhere um, in our thinking as it relates to animals because it's so it's such an inadequate concept. So, Allison, what do you want people to take away when they see the last pig? I want people to go on this journey with Bob to experience what he goes through, the the crisis that he's in, um, and and really feel that and be inspired by his struggle to a- answer questions, to ask himself and find answers to questions that are really tough. I hope that people, the audience, will be inspired to ask themselves some of the same questions so that they don't just blindly continue with patterns that don't really fit what they who they are and what they believe in. And I, the thing I love about Bob's story is that the film doesn't tell anybody what to think or feel. Um, it doesn't ask anybody to do anything. It just it invites them on a journey. And I think that anybody who watches Bob's story, who experiences it, is going to come out as a different person, a more sen- sensitive, aware person who's willing to ask themselves these very difficult questions. That is absolutely thrilling. I'm just, <laughs> and I love the idea that you're going out to people who haven't really thought about this before. I think there are so many things that, that we all do that are just, well, this is what we always did. This is how I was raised. This is what everybody around me does. And to get that incredible aha in a movie theater is a magnificent thing. So, Bob, since we are talking about work today and people making their living in a way that reflects their ethics, you're doing something pretty revolutionary, and that is veganic farming. Some people have never heard of that, and I think few of us have ever eaten anything raised veganically. Tell us about that. Um, the, the simplest way to describe it is is simply that it's um, farming using solely plant-based sources of fertility, um, of for soil fertility. Uh, most people don't know that on, on the vast majority of organic farms, the main source of fertility is um, animal manure-based compost and slaughterhouse byproducts like bone meal, blood meal, and feather meal. Um, and most of that stuff comes from the factory farm and industrial slaughter system. And when I made the des- decision to transition, I didn't want to participate in that system at all. And so veganic farming was the obvious uh, choice for me. And it's, it's, it's going very well so far. Oh, that's great. Do you know other people who are doing this? Are there other people in your area? Or is there an organization where people, I don't know, Facebook for veganic farmers or something? Yeah, there's, there's an organization that's called the Veganic Farming Network. Um, and uh, they have uh, information about veganic farming and they have a, uh, um, uh, a listing of the various veganic farms. And there are actually only a handful around the country. And um, there are four, uh, only four veganic farms that are uh, listed anyway in, in New York, including mine in New York State, where I live. Well, it's uh, worth taking the Amtrak to uh, 
to Albany whenever it's harvest season and get some of that wonderful veganic stuff. So just in our last couple of minutes, Allison, let us know what you want us to do. What can we do to help you? I know you've done very well with the crowdfunder, but just give us some instructions because we all want to see this movie. Oh, thank you so much for that opportunity. Um, I just hope that everybody will watch the the trailer. It, you can find it at thelastpig.com, and you can also find it on Indiegogo. It is, it's extremely powerful, and it will give you a sense of what this film is going to be, and I think it will inspire you to support the film and also get the word out there, because with every person who supports us, even if it's $10, if it's $5, if it's $5,000, uh, it not only helps us financially, but it, it helps us emotionally. It helps us spiritually because it's, it's lonely making a film as an independent and to feel like we have this incredible group of supporters behind us. I, I just can't tell you the difference it makes. So I hope that you will, um, you'll go to Indiegogo and show your support and spread the word too, because Anybody who's interested in the film, that's going to be our future audience. And so we really depend on, you know, sort of the grassroots effort to get the word out there. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Bob, for having your change of heart and change of profession. Thanks to the pigs who inspired you to do that. And Allison, thanks for having the idea to make this film. We're all going to be watching for that. And everybody else, stay with us. We're going to be bringing on just the sweetest lady in the candy business. Oh, I had to say that. Liz D, stay with us. programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? 
Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Whenever I hear them say Main Street Vegan, and even though I know this is the umbrella name of everything that I do, I still see Main Street in Kansas City, my hometown, where I just spent the past week. So it's really very close to my heart, uh, particularly today, having been out there. That's one very happy town since their team just won the World Series. So congrats to everybody out there in KC. Uh, We were just talking about a wonderful documentary that's uh, in the process of being made. And those of you who didn't listen in last week probably don't know that we have some very good news in the film way of things around here, and that is that our feature film, our fictional family film, Miss Liberty, is funded, and we will supposedly, and I can still hardly believe it because it's been so long in the making, uh, be filming in the spring, so I'll certainly be letting you know developments on that as they happen. Also this week, you might want to take a look at the MainStreetVegan.net blog. So just go to MainStreetVegan.net slash blog. And it's called The Joys of a Handpicked Life. It's something that I wrote. I blog there once a month. Other people, uh, Main Street Vegan Academy graduates, do the posting the rest of the time. But today I wrote about the three things that have really made my life the most joyous. And one of those is figuring out a relationship to a higher power. The other was figuring out how to be the kind of parent that I believe I was really supposed to be. And the other is learning that I am a member of one species related to all species, and I do not want to be eating my fellow beings. So you might have fun taking a look at the joys of a hand-picked life. And I know that you're going to have fun right now because I'm going to be introducing you to somebody who is so gracious and so delightful that if you were blindfolded and she walked in a room, you'd know just because the atmosphere would elevate She is Liz D., a co-owner and executive vice president of Smarties Candy Company. She's been in the New York Times, CNN Money, the Globe and Mail, and the Toronto Star, among other publications and news outlets. 
An ethical vegan, Liz serves on the board of Our Hen House. Yay, Our Hen House. We love their podcast. We love their TV show. We love their work. And she is passionate about mindful living, practicing yoga, and kindness to all beings, including ourselves. Welcome, Liz D. Thank you so much for having me, Victoria. It took so much for me not to cheer during your, when you were talking about our hen house. I would be like, woohoo! Yeah, they are, are really magnificent. We've had and also just, to, to not cheer when you were talking about Miss Liberty and your success. I'm so happy for you. Oh, bless you. Well, you can just cheer anytime you want. We, we All right, sounds it. good. <laughs> yeah. So I want to know uh, you have one of the more unusual ways of going vegan, of finding out about veganism. So tell us the story. You were sitting at your desk one day and... I'm sitting at my desk one day at work at Smarties Candy Company, and we decided, I decided, that we were going to add a couple of pages to our website to basically talk about the fact that Smarties were gluten-free and another page to talk about the fact or share the fact that Smarties were vegan. So... The reason why we were going to do this, we were seeing it as an ex- as an extension of our customer service. So we had people, customers, consumers, reaching out to us and asking, are Smarties vegetarian? Are Smarties vegan? Please let us know. We really care about these issues. And this was not something that I had given any consideration to whatsoever. And in fact, I was only thinking about it at the time because it was my job too. And I uh, I needed to do some research about the fact that Smarties were vegan because I didn't know how to write about veganism. I didn't. I knew it meant no meat, dairy, eggs, and all the things that I enjoyed eating. I knew that. But I didn't really know much else, and I didn't know how to write about it for our website. So I went online. I began researching veganism, starting from square one. And uh, that was like 9 a.m. By noon, I had given away my lunch, and I was vegan. I had come across... So much compelling information, so much information about uh, how cruel it is to animals um, to eat animal products that I had not seen or heard of before. And I was so surprised and so taken aback, but also so grateful that there was this opportunity in veganism to not cause the harm that I had been causing previously. So when you did this, it was so quick. How did your family react? It was very quick. That's true. I went home first. I I told my husband, my then boyfriend, uh, honey, I think I'm vegan now. You know, like I think I have the flu kind of. I think (laughs) I'm vegan now. And he, he thought about it. I mean, both of us were, uh, um, omnivorous eating, you know, meat, dairy and eggs all the time, every day. And, uh, he gave it some thought and he just said almost without skipping a beat, I think we should make the household vegan. I don't know that I'm ready to go vegan, but I want to support you in this. And I know that the world is not a vegan place. And I want you to feel like you have a space at home. So, of course, I went and I married him. Um, (laughs) A good idea. (laughs) But also, uh, we then began just inhaling information about more information about veganism and um, animal rights. And we watched a few documentaries. And after watching Forks Over Knives... Um, my husband and my parents decided to go vegan themselves. Uh, and then after watching Earthlings, my husband and I, after going through a few boxes of tissues, uh, both, you know, 
we're vegan for life. And my parents uh, have kind of moved along the spectrum from being uh, vegan for health to being vegan for ethical reasons as well, um, as well as for their own health. So it's been an amazing transformation that I've seen in them. And uh, I just feel so incredibly grateful uh, that, you know, we're able to get this information. Well, you're so lucky. So I'm going to ask you a hypothetical question that hypothetical questions are always hard to answer because we never know what we would do in the old if. But what if (laughs) you had found out that your your company, your family business made non-vegan candies or even non-vegetarian candies because lots of candies have, have gelatin in them. Mm-hmm, and, you've, and you watched Earthlings and you learned what you learned. Do mm-hmm. you have any idea what you would have done? You know, I've thought about this before, Victoria. And of course, you know, some sugar is not vegan. Ours is. The sugar we use to make Smarties is. Um, but I have definitely thought about this. And um, I don't know what I would have done at the time. But my guess, because I was so distraught, is that <laughs> I would have had to either, I would have probably quit. Um, but now, looking back, I would have hopefully gotten some advice from other people, and I would have I would advise my former self to stay and try to make transformations from within the company. Beautiful, beautiful idea, and, and dovetails so interestingly with our, our previous guest who, who gave up pig farming. So... You have a rescue dog named Sandy. I think all of us who have companion animals or, or who know non-human beings, we all have stories. So tell us about your dog and tell us about this food that you make for her. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for asking about Sandy. She is just uh, occupies such a big space in my heart. Um, so Sandy, we rescued Sandy just prior to Hurricane Sandy. Um I had been volunteering at a local animal shelter in New Jersey when we were living in New Jersey called the Jersey Animal Coalition in South Orange. And um, they did a plea to volunteers to foster the animals because they knew they were going to be out of power um, and that they wanted to get as many animals off site as they could. So we fostered Sandy. And the thing about Sandy is that she wasn't really ready for adoption. She hadn't been uh, treated for some medical problems she was having. She had fleas and she was suffering with mange. And she, um, after co- being under our roof for just a few hours, promptly went into heat. And anyone who has uh, lived with a dog who has gone into heat, they know what that involves. It was a new experience for us, to say the least. Um, so we went through Hurricane Sandy together as a family te- unit and a team. Um, and of course, uh, ended up adopting Sandy because we completely fell in love with her. Even with all of those trials, she was the sweetest, most loving dog we've ever met. People on the street stop, pick her up, put her on their laps. It's it's funny, you know, when people are walk when my husband's walking Sandy, he'll sometimes just text me a photo of Sandy on a com- perfect stranger's lap. Um, <laughs> and that's just typical. That's just typical of her. And uh so she basically melts hearts wherever she goes. And she, she was rescued from South Carolina, um, where she was actually hours away from being euthanized when they decided to fit in another dog, even though the transport um, that was moving from South Carolina to the shelter where she was rescued or adopted from by us 
uh, it was already full, they decided to add fix, fit her in because she was just so special and they knew it. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, the overpopulation problem and there you know, are still areas where many dogs are being euthanized, some say about 10,000 a day. So um, whenever Sandy meets people, it's really an opportunity to talk about the fact that she is a rescue and, you know, to dispel certain myths that people have about rescued animals. And then you asked about her food, and it's it's interesting. I never thought I'd be a person who would cook my dog food. In fact, I barely cook myself food. Um, but Nick, my husband, and I cook Sandy's food every week. Um, she eats a vegan diet. Uh, we It just didn't make sense for us if it wasn't necessary uh, for her to eat other animals. Um, you know, she wouldn't hurt a fly, so it's hard to imagine her eating animals, frankly. Um, so we make her this food that's a mixture of lentils and brown rice and sweet potatoes and carrots, and then we add in a doggy multivitamin called Veggie Dog, um, which when you purchase it, they also give you plenty of recipes, and we, they, we add in some oil as well. And she absolutely loves it, and it's been three years now eating this homemade vegan dog food, and... Um, the, the vet, whenever she goes to the vet, they remark on how healthy she is, um, which is always so comforting to know because, you know, we're just, we're doing our best as all animal, hum, humans with animals are. Um, and when she meets people out, at one point, someone was petting her and they were like, my gosh, she is so soft. This was just a perfect stranger. She, she, they go, she is so soft. Does she eat a vegan diet? Oh. <laughs> and I was, Lord, I had not heard of any association between a vegan diet and soft fur on animals or lustrous fur, which she has both of those things. Um, so I was floored and delighted. And of course, I said yes and told them all about it. And um, that's something that I was really happy to hear. And I would love for people to, you know, if that is true, which I don't know that it is. Um, but if that is true, I'd love for more people to think about that as well. There are just so many benefits to feeding um your animal's uh, vegan diet, if it's possible. Not just for them, of course, but for all the animals that are not being eaten as well. Well, I I think you've discovered the kind of universal vegan dog food recipe that's very similar to what my daughter makes for her dogs. Now, since we're we're an auditory medium here, Mm. you need to paint us a, a word picture of Sandy so we know who we're talking about. Oh, my goodness. I'll do my best, but I, I post photos of her a lot on my Instagram. So anyone can see photos of her at, at the Liz D, T-H-E-L-I-Z-D-E-E. On my Instagram page, you will see a lot of photos of Sandy and Sandy and me doing yoga together. But I'll do, I'll do my best. So Sandy looks a little bit like a be- beagle, dachshund, terrier mix, maybe even a little bit of corgi. She's about 25 pounds and she has beautiful paws. They almost look like chihuahua paws, very delicate. And they actually are white with little flecks of, um, of, uh, sandy kind of chestnut brown. And, uh, she has that coloring throughout her face as well with some freckles on her face. So of course we adopted her prior to hurricane Sandy. And that was part of the inspiration for her name. But, um, as was her coloring, she does have these sandy paws that, uh, are just lovely and that she will use to touch whatever hand she wants you to be petting her with at the time. She'll just, (laughs) she'll just like grab your hand and be like, could you please pet me with that? 
Oh, <laughs> so. That's so sweet. Well, we adopted our Forbes just a week before Hurricane Sandy. Oh, you and, did? Yeah, he was brought up from Georgia. And I Southern remember it taking him out when the hurricane was happening. Mm. And he's so expressive. And he would look up with his eyes and say, I really still think I like you, but this is very, very odd. Oh, <laughs> oh all things like that pass. Yes. Um, that was well. one thing that really surprised us about Sandy's strength. Uh, through it all, I mean, she was dealing with so many things when we at the time with, that we adopted her. But she was so happy to be in a home with mm-hmm. people who cared for her that she did not even show any sign of fear from the hurricane. In fact, she was perfectly fine going out on. She wanted to go out on walks. We were like trying to cut it short, you know, because a tree could fall on us at any minute. Um, and in fact, two trees did fall on our house, uh, so we wanted to cut it short. But Sandy could not be bothered. She was just so happy to be with humans. Um, which is just a testament to how much she really loves and trusts humans. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, if anybody is listening who's kind of on the fence about, should I adopt, should I not adopt, you know, not to tell you what to do, but if you do adopt, you will have the love of your life. No Mm -hmm. question about that. Yeah, Liz, I want to move into another way that, I I believe a lot of love is being put forth into the world, and that is Jiva Mukti Yoga. I've been around yoga for a really long time, and it's not what made me vegan, but it's what made me vegetarian before I was vegan. Wow. And I've seen over the years so much of yoga as it's grown lose the connection to ahimsa, to harmlessness. Mm. And yet Jiva Mukti Yoga is based on ahimsa, based on veganism. So tell us how you found it, how you grew to love it, and uh, how that impacts your life. I would be delighted. And you know what's so funny? I just re-listened to your podcast with my teacher, Sharon Gannon, which was, I, I think, a year ago today. So uh, I, was, I was surprised when I saw the date. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's, it's exactly a year from her when she had my teacher, when Victoria had my teacher on. Um, so Sharon, and, Sharon Gannon and David Life co-founded Jiva Mukti Yoga, um, which is described as a path to enlightenment through compassion for all beings. And I had heard about Jiva Mukti Yoga years prior, even before going vegan, and I was very intimidated by it because I had heard that it was the yoga school where teachers practice yoga, not not regular people, but teachers. And and so I, I never ended up going until I went vegan, at which point I had to go because I was like, this is a place where people interpret kindness to others to apply to animals as well, and these are my these are my people. So when I discovered Jiva Mukti Yoga, I absolutely fell in love. Um, it's a really interesting practice. It's a really rewarding practice. And it's a physical practice, but of course, it, um, it when you go and take classes there. But of course, it encompasses so much more. And um, the way that Jiva Mukti Yoga ties the yoga practice and kindness to animals and kindness to all beings is so incredibly important and something that I wish, you know, we saw more in yoga studios. I especially love to hear that you went vegetarian when you first discovered yoga, because I do think that taking the time to 
practice yoga, the physical practice of yoga, opens up our minds in a way where we wouldn't otherwise be receptive to certain information. Um, And when you think about nonviolence and you think about ahimsa, nonviolence is something that's, you know, talked about in in so many cultures and in so few is it um, applied to animals. So I, I just think that um, Jiva Mukti Yoga in particular is unique. And if people want to learn more about the connection between um, yoga and veganism, I would definitely recommend reading Yoga and Vegetarianism written by Sharon Gannon, my teacher. Um, it's a wonderful book. Oh, it really is. It's it's one of my favorites because, you know, we know, oh, well, there's some vegetarianism in yoga somewhere. It's not just in there somewhere. <laughs> it is absolutely throughout in, in every way. So, uh, yeah, it is a, a great, great read. So you've now trained as a teacher. Are you teaching? No, I'm not. I'm not teaching. Smarties takes up... Uh, my professional, the majority, the, the entirety of my professional life right now. But I do consider it a lifelong skill, and it has benefited me in so many ways. And uh, perhaps one day I'll have the opportunity to share with others and teach others, aside from just uh, here and there with family and friends. Well, that's a lot. My my favorite yoga story in my family when I, I got into yoga when I was seventeen, eighteen and lived in London. I came back from London and, you know, was demonstrating, which is totally not yoga. (laughs) It's not about, look at me, I can stand on my head because Mm. I'm 18. But anyway, (laughs) I did all that. And whenever I'd see my mother, all that would come up. And shortly before she died, she said to me, you know, we used to think that you were crazy eating that tofu and doing that yoga. But now people's doctors tell them to do that. I love that. (laughs) I love that. It goes around and comes around for sure. Now, you're a board member of our hen house. What's going on over there? It just seems like they have got their hands in everything these days, everything good. Yeah, they do not stop. So so our hen house, for those who maybe aren't familiar with it, is a... 501c3 nonprofit that's a multimedia organization dedicated to changing the world for animals. And they have an online magazine and podcasts and content on so many areas, video. Um, and right now, actually, I should mention that all donations are being matched dollar for dollar. So for people who perhaps are thinking about supporting our hand house, now is a great time because your donation will be doubled. And I think the really exciting thing right now is that they are launching a new podcast. So this is actually going to be their third podcast. They launched two podcasts this year. So they have their signature Our Hen House podcast, as well as the Animal Law podcast, because, of course, Marianne Sullivan is an attorney who specializes in animal law. And then soon coming out, I believe this week, is the Teaching Jasmine How to Cook podcast. Oh, excuse me, Teaching Jasmine How to Cook Vegan podcast. Um, which is going to have co-hosts Jasmine Singer and Michael Suchman of The Vegan Mo's. So I cannot wait to hear that first episode. It's going to be great. I know it is. That is going to be so cool. Um, J.L. Fields and I are co-writing the official Main Street Vegan Academy cookbook. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. Someone- <laughs> 
Someone reminded us to put in the book proposal that one of our Main Street Vegan Academy grads is actually teaching Jasmine Singer, super vegan, how to cook. And they said, it's a selling point. I love that. Yeah, he's a great guy. I was hoping he'd call in because I I know he's called in once or twice and uh, tends to be able to listen live quite a bit of the time. Oh, yeah. I, I want to get back a little bit to to this business aspect. I know you you've been written up in in all these newspapers and magazines. You've also yes. been featured on on Ecorazzi. Mm-hmm. So, what do you see out there in the business world? I know a lot of companies are coming up with various ways to provide really innovative and interesting meat like and cheese like products. Now we're coming up with egg like something. I thought I would never live to see. And so, in a way, I'm very, very excited about vegan capitalism. What do you see from where you sit? Well, I have to say, at times I think I live in a vegan bubble because I live in New York City and there are constantly new vegan restaurants opening and it just feels, there's so much optimism in the air. Um, As a business person, you know, when I think about just my going vegan story, I think about the power that just one individual consumer has on untold numbers of people just by communicating. And that in and of itself is something that's, I think, unquantifiable, but powerful. Because if one person or several people reaching out to Smarties can, you know, cause a co-owner to end up going vegan, then what, what else is possible? You know, and you see people... Um, business people going vegan uh, every day. There's oh, there's a new story about it, which is really exciting. So I think you know this is the future, and I think I think it's a more exciting time than ever. I feel very optimistic about it. That's so cool. So tell us about your life. You know, sometimes the stereotypes persist that vegans are kind of curmudgeonly and wear a lot of hemp. And I know you are a newlywed, you live in Manhattan, you're out there being attractive and photographed. Just tell us about your vegan life. Well, likewise. And well, gosh, that's an interesting question. Tell us about your vegan life. Well, it's very joyful. I have a lot of fun. I don't think it's worth doing if it's, if if you're not having fun. Um, But I travel a lot for work. You know, I, I don't, I eat out a lot. It's lovely. Um, spend a lot of time walking the dog and reading. And, uh, I do like to go out. I do like to dress up. I do love, you know, vegan fashion. And it's easier than ever to find vegan handbags and other apparel, shoes, of course, winter coats, vote couture. One of my favorites, Leanne Miley Hilgard is changing the world, as is Joshua Catcher, um, with Brave Gentlemen. And I just think it's easier than ever to live whatever kind of life you want to live vegan. If it's glamorous, you've got it. If it's healthy, you know, you've got it. And the good news is that by choosing a vegan diet, you're already taking perhaps the biggest step you will ever be able to take to help the planet. Whether or not you're wearing hemp shoes or, you know, flushing the toilet, you are already making such a big step in the right direction for the planet and, um, and I don't know if that actually answered your question, but that's a little bit of an insight. You know, I, I, 
I really find it easier than ever to travel and eat healthfully on the road. I think that's something that business people and people who travel wonder about, um, how to, you know, not just get a salad and fries when you're traveling, when you're vegan. Um, but I have found all over the world vegan options and, um, I have no issues with it. So how do you respond to detractors? I noticed today my husband keeps me well informed with articles about veganism. And there are lots. I mean, every day there there is stuff online from various newspapers. And he sent me one today. I think it was from the New York Post. It may have been the Daily News. I didn't save it. But it's, it's about this uh, young woman who's written a book. I'm not sure that the title of the book is My Vegan Diet Nearly Killed Me. <laughs> That was the title of the article. And she said something in there about, I was so hungry and I waited and waited until the time would come that I could have another green juice. And I'm thinking, well, if you were hungry, why didn't you have a hoagie? You know? Yes. It's so strange. And yet people are going to read that and they're going to say, well, I don't know, because I heard, you know, people can eat a vegan diet and it'll almost kill them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's always going, you can always find somebody or some groups of people who want to talk about how either veganism didn't work for them or how they think veganism is a bad idea. And I guess my response to that is I don't focus too much of my time and attention on it. I just think that our time and attention is way too precious to get into the nitty gritty of what may or may not have worked for someone. I also don't necessarily want to shine too big of a spotlight on them because that's not really the message that I want to, that I want to share with others. I think what really works for me, especially in terms of staying positive and hopeful and sharing what's authentic for me is focusing on how good I feel uh, by making this choice and sharing that in an honest, authentic way. And just like, being really kind with people, being a good friend, being a nice colleague, you know, being generous. And I think that by shining your own light, it speaks volumes and dispels myths in a way that going talking point by talking point, uh, counterpoint with someone else really won't do, do you, if that makes sense. Oh, it totally makes sense, and it sounds so right coming from you because this is exactly how you come across in the world. You oh. really do have such a, a lovely, lovely presence. So, Liz, okay, let's eat. In our last minute, tell me your favorite restaurants in New York City and what's your favorite thing to eat when you're eating in. Oh, my gosh. You know, there are so many amazing vegan restaurants in New York City. Everyone listening to this who doesn't live in New York City, hop on the next plane and come on over and let's go get a bite. It's just amazing here. Um, you know, recently, two new vegan restaurants have opened up that were both mentioned in the New York Times uh, by Chloe, which is nearby to me in Greenwich Village, and Avant Garden, which is in the East Village, a very vegetable-focused meal, um, which I love and I think really appeals to omnivores. Um so I love both of those two new spots. But standbys for me, uh, definitely any of the candle restaurants are wonderful. I love Suen. I love Peace Food Cafe. I love Caravan of Dreams. I love Angelica Kitchen. 
Um, can you tell I like every vegan restaurant, almost every vegan restaurant in the city. They're all so amazing. I mean, we have so many vegan restaurants that we can actually have favorites and a few that maybe we aren't our favorites. We're lucky yeah. enough to have that choice. Uh, well, um, you know, it's interesting. Everyone that you mentioned except the candles is downtown, East or West Village. And whenever I lament, I'll say sometimes to my daughter, a kind of whine actually. I wish I lived in the East Village. And she'll say, if we lived in the East Village, we'd be fat. So (laughs) I guess there's a trade-off to everything. Really, really quickly, what do you eat when you're at home just with your new hubby? Okay, I'm very lucky because my husband trained with the French Culinary Institute, so he cooks quite a bit. Our staples are normally a bean, a grain, and a vegetable, a green or other vegetables, which sounds pretty bland and plain, but it's it's truly not. He makes the most amazing garlic, ginger, tofu with this soy mirin glaze. It is so completely delicious. I, I mean, I loved him before, but honestly, I, every time I eat it, I just fall in love with him a little bit more. What a sweet, sweet story. From a very, very sweet woman. I won't make my candy business joke again. Lizzy, <laughs> God bless you. Thank you so much for being on the show. You can find Liz on Twitter and Instagram at the Liz D. Remember to check out thelastpig.com and uh, take a look at the trailer for that wonderful documentary. Everybody, thank you so very much for spending this time with us. God bless you. Eat your veggies and your candy. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Do you ask with childlike wonder, what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings, is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on shop. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit. Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. 
Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts. 